0: Hi, I'm producer Anna Mason. By now, you've probably heard a lot about the building on the corner of Wabash and Ontario streets, one that doesn't quite fit in with the surrounding hotels and apartments towering over it in the River North neighborhood. The Medina Temple's horseshoe arch, intricate floral designs, and arabesque motifs stand out. The Medina Shriners, a Masonic organization still active today, built the building in 1912 in the center of Chicago for all of their meetings and ceremonies, and perhaps most famously, their circus. This building continues to add new lives to its portfolio, with its latest use making it all over the news recently.
1: In line to be among the first... Gambling fans so eager, they waited in line this morning.
0: So the
2: doors are officially open at downtown... Chicago police are on hand as well. As a steady stream
0: the Medina of the Temple, temple of the recently temple. reintroduced itself to Chicago, this time as a casino. But this being the building's 111th year standing, there's a lot more to know about the temple's past. One Curiosity City listener asked us, well, what is the history of this unique building? I wanted to know, who designed the Medina Temple? For what purpose? What has happened here over the years? And what is the fate of the building after the casino moves out? People had precious memories of their experiences within
2: the temple to share with me for this story. The enthralling beauty of walking into that building, there was an intimate feeling about Medina Temple. Uh, When you were there watching the trapeziacs and you were sitting in the balcony, uh, you felt like you'd really reach out and touch them.
0: And at the end of all of these conversations,
2: I got to hear what kind of future people
0: want for the Medina Temple, so that it may keep making its mark on the city of Chicago. All that is up next. The Medina Temple takes up half a city block, but if its size doesn't catch your eye, its architectural style
2: certainly will. The style of the building is a Moorish style and incorporates a lot of, uh, if you will, calligraphy. That's Ward Miller,
0: Richard H. Driehaus
2: Executive Director
0: of Preservation Chicago.
2: And, uh, of course, the Onion Domes. And beautiful ornament and beautiful art glass windows, all reflecting the style that they decided to use.
0: Preservation Chicago is the city's leading nonprofit in the preservation and revitalization of architecture. They release Chicago's most endangered buildings each year. And chances are, if a Chicago building is being protected from demolition, Ward Miller has had a hand in it. The terracotta-covered brick and Arabic calligraphy makes the temple feel more likely to be in the south of Spain rather than river north. Ward explains that the Middle East was a hot topic during the late 19th and early 20th centuries for the Western world, and the architects thought it would be an eye-catching style to take on for the Medina Temple without considering the real cultures and peoples they were basing their caricaturesque look on.
2: So the Moorish architecture was very popular at the time. You you think of other things that were discovered in Egypt and the Egyptomania, if you will, that came from that discovery and the photographs that came about. There was a great mystery associated with these ancient cultures.
0: Moorish architecture refers to Moors, which is an old word used by Christian Europeans to refer to Muslim people living in North Africa and in various Mediterranean regions. I wanted to hear more about the significance of these aesthetic choices, but for now, I stepped further inside the building with Ward as my guide. The original interior of the Medina Temple had several different chambers, most notably a 4,200-seat concert hall. This interior feature has since been demolished and remodeled, but the pavilion sounded magnificent when it stood, and it was attractive for performers as well.
2: So wonderful were the acoustics that the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and other studios recorded concerts there.
0: The Chicago Symphony Orchestra was only one of many who used the Medina Temple for their audiences. The hall was also outfitted with some of the best musical equipment there was at the time, including one particularly impressive instrument.
2: It was an Austin pipe organ, I think the largest of its kind, at least that's what's reported. And that was relocated to a church outside of the city. But you know, at least that remained, right? And unfortunately, we lost the incredible mural that was over the proscenium. With
0: all of Ward's descriptions of the grandeur of Medina's interior, it was hard to imagine why it wouldn't have been saved. Ward said he and his team worked to earn the Medina Temple's designation as a Chicago landmark in 2001, which ensures that the outward appearance of the building is preserved. Even though the Medina Temple is landmarked, That does not protect any of its interior
2: features. The landmark designation does protect all exterior elevations, roof lines, and components of Medina Temple. So protect a building from demolition. You need that Chicago landmark status. And that is the highest level of protection. This meant the concert hall was on the chopping
0: block. And it was indeed demolished in 2003 after the building's sale and subsequent renovation into a Bloomingdale's. That sale was the first time the Medina Temple passed hands since its construction nearly 80 years prior. The original owners and designers of the building were the Medina Shriners. The Medina Shriners are the Chicago area chapter of Shriners International, the Shriners are one of many subsets of the Freemasons, a centuries
2: old fraternal organization with European roots. So, the Medina Temple building uh, was really a commitment to the organization and to Chicago, into their Midwest headquarters. That was not only their hub for ceremonies and whatnot, but it was also a community building that was so important.
0: I met up with today's Medina Shriners, who have since moved out to their new headquarters in suburban Addison, Illinois. Although Freemason organizations, like the Shriners, are often associated with secrecy, this group of members that I spoke with were more than willing to talk, at least about some
1: things. That's the secret part, you know, exactly what goes on in the degrees, you have to come and take them to learn. We don't want to publish those. although. You'll find anything on the internet these days.
0: As the Shriners walked us through their new buildings halls, we passed walls covered in rows of framed photos of men in highly ornamented garb, complete with high red fez hats and holding a scepter topped with the star and crescent that the Shriners use in their emblem. These were photos of each of the past potentates, or presidents, of the local chapter. Even as Jay, the current potentate, tried to explain the Shriner system to me, I had a hard time grasping what the rules of this complex social structure yes,
2: were. A of John Wayne a, uh,
0: some longtime Medina Shriners sat down with me to explain what it means to be a Freemason and to share some memories from their time in the temple downtown.
1: My name is Sam Specter. I am chairman of the Red Feds Committee along with a number of other organizations within the organization.
0: Sam says that first you must become a Mason and only then can you become a Shriner. Sam explained the balance between fun and philanthropy that being a Shriner involves.
1: Your Shrine is the fun group and each one of these three groups do what they can for humanity. There are numerous charities. Of course, the one with the Shrine is the most Notable because we we are so visible with our hospitals.
0: So the Shriners' main charity is their children's hospitals. But being a Shriner is perhaps even more about the brotherhood. The Medina Temple was for all of their fraternal meetings and social gatherings, as well as the events that they opened up to the public. Each of the members I spoke to had their own set of memories from inside the Medina Temple walls, the Shriners were eager to tell me about all of the fun that was had there.
1: Lots of shenanigans that went on at Shrine conventions, which are now considerably smaller.
0: But their shenanigans couldn't last forever. I got into what made the Shriners eventually sell the building and what its future could hold. That's up next. When the Medina Temple was originally constructed, it was described as the largest auditorium in the world erected by a social organization. When I spoke with the Shriners, each one had a different memory in the temple that was most special to them, but everyone had a lot to say about the Shriners' circus. It came to town every year for decades, and with it, all of the animals and performers that made up the show. Sam remembered a year when he himself was in the audience with his family.
1: Now every one of them was sitting in their chair looking straight up because we had first row seats right off the stage. And the kids thought it was the greatest thing in the world.
0: Thousands of adults and children would attend the circuses, and it became one of the most anticipated events in Chicago every year. Paul Barber, past potentate and member since 1964, was able to share some of the -the behind-the-scenes stories from the circus.
1: We've had some incidences where an animal was loose. There was one that came onto the bandstand one day that, that I won't forget. Oh, it didn't need anybody, but it was just looking around.
0: What kind of animal
1: It was a tiger no.
0: with each new show that went on in the Medina temple, the building took on a new life, morphing to the needs of the performance, like building an ice rink
1: when the ice show was there, they built a rink on top of the stage and uh Filled it with water and ran freezers into it from out on Ohio Street. And they'd have to run for a couple days in order to make the ice.
0: The Medina Temple hosted more than just arts and entertainment performances. Paul recalled some of the well-known names in Chicago and national politics who came to the temple to speak. The Shriners had Dick Cheney, Harold Washington, and even the Dalai Lama come to visit and speak at Medina. The Shriners had an extra close relationship with Mayor Richard J. Daley, the first Mayor Daley, so much that they wanted to make him an honorary member while he was in office.
1: He was well known for being, you know, the number one Irishman in Chicago and dying the River Green.
0: That's Jay Alfarevic, the current potentate of the Medina Shriners.
1: And so, since he wasn't an actual member, we didn't want to present him with a red fez. But the green reflected his character and a gift to him that was, was unique to him. So that's why Richard J. Daly had a green fez and it said, mayor of Chicago on it.
0: From civil and gay rights protests being staged in front of the building, to tributes to famed Chicagoans like Studs Turkle on the stage to recordings of Bozo the Clown.
1: Live from Medina Temple in Chicago, the Bozo 25th anniversary special is on the air.
0: And even Disney's Fantasia 2000. The Medina Temple's events tell the story of a vibrant Chicago across time. But this building being such an important part of the city, so much that it has become permanently landmarked and protected, made me want to get to the bottom of what it and the Medina Shriner's aesthetic really means and where the arabesque architecture really originates for the Shriners. Jason Kaufman is a former Harvard professor and sociologist who researched the role of secret societies and fraternal organizations in the United States.
2: So it it was sort of this very ornate period in social organization where you wouldn't just be a club, but you'd have like this mythology and these specific symbols. So I see the, the Moorish influence in the Shriners as of a piece with other groups centered around sort of made up stories.
0: Jason said that the appropriated Middle Eastern aesthetic is part of a wider colonial trend that used Eastern characteristics as a way to connote special secret wisdom and knowledge. Essentially, they were using a Moorish look to tell the world that they were different from the rest of society and were surrounded by mystery and notary. So even if the Medina Temple and its background is more than a little aged, it still stands there on the corner of Ohio and Wabash, landmarked and protected forevermore. Even though it retains its name, the building hasn't been owned by the Medina Shriners since they sold it in 2001. Paul said it just wasn't practical anymore. Too many Shriners were commuting too far for a facility that just couldn't accommodate them any longer. And it was the Shriners putting the building up for sale that led the city to landmark the building. But as it turned out, the Shriners weren't so happy with the landmark designation.
1: All of a sudden, when we decided we had to move, the Medina Temple got landmarked, too. And that made it way less attractive for buyers.
0: So the Shriners were somewhat relieved when they were finally able to sell the building after much back and forth with the city. But even though the Shriners were ready for their next chapter, leaving Wabash was
1: bittersweet. Everybody regretted leaving there, even those that were the most inconvenienced Still regret it.
0: Since the building's sale, it has taken on various commercial lives. First as the Bloomingdale's for many years, and now the Medina Temple temporarily houses Bally's Casino, while the permanent building is under construction. And even though it will only host the casino for a few years, we know that the Medina Temple will stay standing, thanks to people like Ward Miller with Preservation Chicago.
2: But I think that's also an amazing component of Chicago's architecture. And every time we lose one of these buildings, if Medina Temple had been lost to another residential development, it would have just been something that could have been built anywhere. But instead we have this unique building in the heart of downtown Chicago that has had all these various lives and histories.
0: The Medina Temple is part of what makes Chicago, Chicago. Not only in its architecture, it has molded the city's cultural landscape by hosting so many historical events across the decades. So what does it mean to preserve the Medina Temple's structure if it no longer serves the same cultural purpose? Ward had thoughts about
2: this. It would be wonderful one day if this could be more of a public building once again, and whether that's uh, an auditorium or a cultural center.
0: We don't know what will come next for the Medina Temple after Bally's Casino, but Ward has dreams of the building living out something greater.
2: So I'm hoping that in time that Medina Temple can have uh, a cultural and creative use and that uh, people will be attracted to it by its architecture, by its history, by its uh, historical and cultural legacy. And I think that's even more exciting than the temporary casino.
0: Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation and is produced by Jason Mark and Joe Dassault. Adriana cardona Magigad is Curious City's reporter. Maggie Sivett is the digital and engagement producer. Susie Ahn edits the show. Curious City is a production of WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR network. I'm Anna Mason. Thanks for listening.